This episode of MS Understood was recorded across multiple lands. I recognise and acknowledge that all of Australia is Aboriginal land and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Pre-MS Beck and MS Beck are in two very different places. So when MS Beck's saying you need to rest, pre-MS Beck's like, shut up your pussy and get <laughs> out of bed and, and get on with it. So that's something that um, that's a work in progress. Today on the MS Understood podcast, we chat with Beck Ray, who shares her MS story on Instagram at Beck Makes MS Her Bitch. She shares about coming out with MS, her partner having to move away three weeks after her diagnosis and living up to expectations. Hi, Beck. Thank you so much for coming on the MS Understood podcast today. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. How's the weather in New Zealand? Um, typical New Zealand. It can't make up its mind today. One day you might get summer. Yeah, one day, probably <laughs> at the start of autumn. Yeah, just for a few days and then, yeah. you know. Um, standard. Yeah, standard. We're, we've been having quite a bit of that, but today is quite nice. The next few days we're going to have quite warm. So Awesome. Um, sorry? <laughs> awesome or maybe not. Oh, yeah. Heat. Depends on, oh, no, I love the heat, so it works for me. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're just going to dive straight into your story. So we'll start with your diagnosis story, what led to your diagnosis, how old you were, anything around those bits. Yep, awesome. Um, well, I thought my diagnosis story started in July this year, um, but after speaking to my neurologist, it, I realised it actually started in April during the COVID lockdown here, and I was having a, a coffee and I couldn't bring the cup to my mouth I, I had the shakes and really just struggled to to raise the cup and at the time I was actually I'd got really engrossed in Selma Blair for some reason who was someone I didn't follow or or anything but his story about her MS had blown up so I was actually reading a Selma Blair article or an interview when my arm first went weird and I never imagined that there would be a connection there um, and then come July um, I just was really fatigued. I was really tired and I had no energy to, to cook or do any of the stuff I would usually do. And then I would usually be up before my partner, but he was getting up before me. And I, I got up one morning and the, the light just seemed so bright in the kitchen. It felt like it was blinding. Um, I felt quite wobbly on my feet and my vision was a bit funny. So I went to work as, us rays do and um, I actually got to the point where I had to hold one of my eyes closed when I was talking to people because I couldn't focus on their faces so I was like oh that's a bit concerning so I came home you know half an hour early and I woke up the next morning and I was much worse so I went to my doctor um, who sent me to the hospital after an hour of many many questions um, and then the next day, because we're so backlogged with uh, MRIs here after COVID lockdown, um, I couldn't get an MRI that day. So I had one on the Friday and they tried to do a lumbar puncture, which failed after an hour of poking and prodding. Um, 
but they came in that night and they said to me, oh, you've, you've got MS. And I told the doctor to F off um, because you I can was, swear. It's really oh, okay, no, yeah. off. Um, no, not that. Fuck you. Pretty much. Um, I was really upset uh, naturally um, because I had a German teacher at high school who was in a wheelchair with a colostomy bag and all that kind of stuff who had MS. And that's just what I imagined it would be for me. Um, five minutes after that, another doctor burst in and said, wait, they didn't have all the information. You've tested positive for rhinovirus. It could be in your brain. So hold that thought. It might not be MS. We'll do some more tests and just don't think about it. So my partner, I just remember like, like sort of clutching me going, it's rhinovirus. You've got rhinovirus. It's fine. It's going to be rhinovirus. I don't know. I haven't really looked into it. I'm probably morphed it into some other name and since I you know they told me but so yeah we were he was holding out hope for for the virus um I think I knew at that point because that asked me when I got admitted if there was any history of MS in my family and then as time went on in hospital obviously I you know google thanks google but yeah the next day um I had a another lumbar puncture which was great I said yes to sedation this time so I was having a gale time <laughs> um, another MRI and then that night I think it was about seven o'clock and I sent my partner home because no no doctor's going to come now you know it's seven o'clock at night so I sent Darren home and 10 minutes later a doctor came in and told me when I was by myself he's like yeah you've got MS so I was like oh okay thanks can you and- come back yeah, I rang Darren and he, I, he, gosh, I'm so glad there were no police on the roads that night because he got there. You know, I used to put one hand over one eye because I couldn't see with both eyes uncovered. And I would sit, like I'd hear someone coming and I'd look at the shoes under the curtain as they came in. And I saw, saw, saw this shell toe Adidas and I was like, holy shit, that's Darren. How did he get so fast? <laughs> so, yeah, that was my, my diagnosis. And I, I managed to get in with a really great neuro in New Zealand, um, within the weeks, I went private. I, I just didn't want to go through the public system because I've got private health. And uh, she linked my April episode um, when I, we were talking about all my history. She said that, yeah, that would be your first flare-up. So, so between when you had the issues with your eye and that, so that kind of second flare-up, how long was it between that and your diagnosis? Um the conf- well my first flare-up was April yeah um, being the weakness my second one was July so the you have MS you don't have MS was on the 24th of July and then the confirmed diagnosis was the 25th and then so and then it was what like a week before when you were having the eye issues and went into the doctor or was it like that day it was the Wednesday, the Wednesday. Yeah. yeah yeah and then the Friday slash Saturday with yeah. the, the diagnosis yeah yeah, wow. And you and your partner were supposed to get married in Scotland this year and yeah. thanks to COVID. So you said that was supposed to happen in May? Yeah. Yep. And then obviously you can't travel the world at the moment, so that didn't happen. Mm. And then within three weeks after your diagnosis, he had a job in Antarctica for six Yeah. yeah so absolutely. how did you go with that? Like you're, I feel like a lot of the time of diagnosis and, um, you know, you spoke when you, you got that first, I've got MS and you're like, no, get fucked. I don't have, yeah. have it. 
Yeah. Did you feel that way? Sorry, I'll come back to the other questions. But did you feel that way again on the 25th when it was confirmed? Um, no, I, I think I just marinated on it overnight and it had, I'd already sort of decided that I had it, if that makes sense. I was like, it, it can't be that other thing. I just, I just knew in my heart that it was MS. So yeah, I didn't swear at the other doctor <laughs> when he came in. I think it's so um, valid though and important to share that initial like, that initial off oh, fuck because yeah. now like, and you're I suppose still fairly recently diagnosed mm. in the scheme of things, um, but you also know that life's not terrible. You can get on with life. You do yeah. do things. But yeah. that, that first day is just terrifying. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just because people don't know what MS is or what it does to people or how it affects your life. And I was that person um, when I first got diagnosed. I, that was 100% me. So I I saw wheelchairs and colostomy bags. Well, you said that's all you knew. And for me, yeah. it was that, I don't know if you guys do it in New Zealand, we do the MS readathon. Yeah. And so when I was a kid, the same, everyone's in a wheelchair and that's what you see in ads and that's what you yeah. see on the internet. Mm -hmm. But it's people, you know, who are still getting around and doing their lives that you just don't see that much of because they don't tend to need to talk about it so much. Absolutely. Like... You know, I you would have seen on my post on Instagram, which is where we connected. I've got my yeah. MS T-shirt, yeah. and um, I think I might wear that around a bit more often. So, it, and maybe it starts a dialogue. Oh, like, do you know someone with MS? It's like, no, I've got MS. And, yeah, yeah. And um, people are like, what do you mean? You look fine. Yeah. Well, I I remember when I worked in Australia, um, there was an accountant that I worked with, and I feel so foolish saying this now, but. I remember she made a passing comment about having MS and I said, oh, you don't look like you have MS. Isn't that funny? And yeah. And I, I only remembered it a few days afterwards and I was like, oh my God, you fucking idiot. But as well, I was like, oh, wow. Like, so she has a great quality of life. She's not in a wheelchair. She seemed not affected by it at all. So I actually reached out to her um, to say, oh my gosh, I've got MS too. And she's like, it's fine. Like, yeah. I just make sure I don't get stressed. I make sure I rest and I'm all good. And I was like, oh, okay, this is really great. This is really great news. Yeah. yeah. So we we're talking before about how your partner went to Antarctica three weeks after you were diagnosed. How yeah. did that help? Because I think although you had a chance to um, kind of accept it in that 24 hours between the first diagnosis and your second diagnosis, yeah, it's still a time of grieving and coming yeah. to terms with your new life and you know he left for an amazing opportunity that you weren't going to let him give up but I think it's yeah. still hard oh it was so hard and I think it sort of delayed the process for me because we were so focused on his departure um like mentally I was trying to get my head around and not seeing him for six months so I was really focused on that and then in the first sort of six weeks that he was gone, I was getting used to this gaping hole in my life of him not being here and being home alone all the time. So it wasn't until just like quite recently, I'd say about a month ago that now that we're halfway to, before he comes back, that I really started to digest my situation. And I was having issues 
my, my arms started playing up again. I was stubbing my toes all the time on my, my leg. I call gammy, my gammy leg. And I really started to take stock of my situation. So it, his departure definitely delayed my, my processing. So I actually reached out um, my MS nurse when I first saw her. I think it was the day that he left for the ice. Um, she's like, oh, you should see a counsellor. I'm like, nah, I don't need to see a counsellor. I've got this fucking all over it. And then I, yeah, I emailed her. I'm like, yeah, okay, I need to take you up on that. I need to talk to someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you seeing someone now? Yeah, I am. So yeah. I had a really good session with her. And I, I really surprised myself because it was only recently. So what was it in November? So I'm diagnosed in July. I go and see her in November and I sit down and I just start bawling, like just out of nowhere. And yeah. um. She's How like, good's a good cry though? It's, yeah, I, re- I needed it because I think with I'm, I've got such an outgoing personality and I've got this sort of like, fuck yeah attitude. Like every, I've got this, it'll be great. And that sort of faltered for a bit. But I felt like I had to live up to this, you know, persona that I'd not created, but I had to live up to that expectation that people had of me that she'll be fine. She's tough. She's got this. Yeah. So it was so good just to be sitting opposite a complete stranger who didn't hold me to any kind of standard or expectation and just going, I'm struggling. Like I'm having a shit time at the moment. And I think there's probably people um, around us who would happily hear that. But yeah. sometimes it's just really easier to talk to someone who you can walk away from and not think twice yeah. about it after. Absolutely. Well, like my my mum was like, oh, what did you get up to? And I was like, oh, I went and saw a counsellor yesterday. And she's like, okay, what else has been going on? <laughs> so it's it's good to have someone that's ready to like actively engage in conversation about my MS because yeah. – Oh, I hope my parents don't listen to this. <laughs> I sort of think that that they're at a point where they just don't want to think about it too much and what it might mean. And if I try and talk about, well, if such and such happens, like if I do decline or if whatever, they're like, oh, well, that won't happen. You'll be fine. You've got this. And I'm like, okay, well. But what I'll if I don't? At the time. Yeah. 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 So I'll keep working at them because I think it's a conversation, like as much as I want to, be like yep I'm fine and in the scheme of MS like I'm gotten off very lightly compared to other people Um, that doesn't help though like it doesn't make it easier for you no and and I get it and me too and and that's great but like day to day yeah it doesn't necessarily help saying that it's less shit than other people's Yeah, yeah you need to have a conversation like well what if it does go to shit like and I don't want to say go to shit because there are other people that you know, do have the the limitations and stuff that I'm worried about. Um, so I don't feel like that's the, the right way to say it. But if it does go downhill and if I am affected that way, I have to have mentally processed it or we have to have a plan in place um, for when that happens, if or when that happens, because I don't want to get to that point and be like, oh, my God, you know, I don't want to be totally unprepared. So yeah, you absolutely. If any family members of people that have been diagnosed are listening to this, please let your loved one talk about that side of it, the the what ifs, because it's really important for us to help us get a head around it. And I think it's just asking the question. I had a great conversation with my mum the other day and she just was like, can I ask? And I was like, anytime. Yeah. Just ask. If you've got questions, 
just mm-hmm. ask because I don't know what you're thinking and yeah. you don't know what the answer might be. And mm-hmm. like, you've just got to. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what, how do your symptoms show up now day to day? Day to day. I had have to separate like anxiety and stress from Darren being away and my situation. Um, I wasn't sleeping well, but I don't think that's an MS thing. But when I've not slept well, I'm so emotional. Like I'm not usually a very emotional person, but when I'm really fatigued, I will cry at the drop of the hat. It's so embarrassing. Um, so fatigue um, I'm really sensitive to heat. Um, so, you know, when we were coming out of winter and people would just put the, the heater on and I would just feel the hit, it would, it would be like my battery would go from 70% down to 20. I would just yeah. feel the life drain out of me. Um, I still have some residual issues with my, my right eye, but nothing major. Um, and sometimes I get like sporadic weakness in my, my right arm but not like nothing too bad. Like the, the fatigue would be the most challenging one, especially pre MS back and MS back uh, in two very different places. So when MS back saying you need to rest pre MS backs, like shut up your pussy and get <laughs> out of bed and, and get on with it. So that's something that um, that's a work in progress at the moment. So learning to manage my fatigue and to manage pre-MS expectations. And um, so do you have any tricks of how you do that now? How I manage? Or are you still working on it? Um, I, I could do better, but I'm much better at saying no. Um, you know, the day after my infusion, I'm like, no one's to come over to my house. I do not make plans or, or anything like that. Cause that's generally when I can feel a bit flat. Um, but I, you know, I just say like, I never used to take sick days at work. I would just work, 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 work. And now I, I just say, I, I can't come in today because I need to rest. If I don't, if I try and push through, then I'll be just stuffed for the rest of the week. And I've realized that if I just take that one day and rest, I'm so much more productive the rest of the week. I'll actually get more done than if I'd not taken that day off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you talked about your infusion. What's the treatment that you're on? I'm on to Sabri. And how do you um, feel that that works for you? Well, so I've only, yesterday was number four. So they say you don't really notice much difference until after six months. Um but I definitely get slump week the week leading up to my next infusion. Like I just get so fatigued, um, which my dad actually recognized the other day. He's like, wow, you really do get tired the week before your infusion. I was like, hell yes, I do. Is that because um, it like wears off? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so I had that yesterday. I was pretty wiped out before. Like I actually napped during it, which is not like me at all. Usually I'd sit there with my headphones on and rock out to whatever music I've got on. Um, But today I woke up and I smashed out all the housework for ages. Like I had real good burst of energy and that's generally how it goes. Like I have heaps of energy afterwards. So um, it's working really well for me. I just, I've got my next follow-up with the neuro in January 
Um, I'm JC positive, um, which means that there can be complications with being on to Sabri. So we'll have a look at that. Um, and she said, maybe I'd go out to every six weeks, but I'm, I'll push to stay at four as long as it's safe. Cause I couldn't imagine being as fatigued as I've been this week for, for two weeks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I just take, I'm on tech video. So for me, it's just a tablet twice a day. Oh yeah. So, and I've never been on anything otherwise. So I don't, I, the whole infusion, infusion thing kind of blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. And you're really with cancer, like quite often cancer patients getting their, treatment so it's a bit of an eye-opener as well that makes me feel quite grateful for what I have going on if that makes sense yeah yeah you can, yeah no I get it it's a funny it thing to be grateful for isn't it yeah I know yeah. um you just spoke about work and taking some time off if you need it so were you working at the time of your diagnosis right it was right in the middle of COVID so I, you were yeah. working from home so how did we, that all go we were back in the office at, at that point in July. Um, we'd been back in the office for a while. I had been incredibly stressed um, in the weeks leading up to my big, big flare up. Um, and yeah, I, I took a couple of weeks off at my, my neuro's um, suggestion. She said, you, you need to rest. And dad was like, I work for my dad, by the way. He's like, right when are you back in the office and I'm still rocking an eye patch and (laughs) and I couldn't walk properly and I was like I'm not I'm not coming back to the office like straight away I can't type with one eye for god's sake so I took my two weeks I worked with my eye patch on from home I initially worked from home and then I eventually went back to the office um I think it was only like a couple of weeks at home it wasn't very long and my vision issue had barely resolved and I'm back full-time in the office before my general manager actually suggested like you need to work a couple of days from home I didn't want to because I was worried about perceptions um, of other people you know oh you know Beck's not in the office she's not going to be able to work properly now that she's got MS and so I really pushed to not work from home Um, but my yeah I pretty much didn't have any choice Um, and I'm so grateful for Dean you know for for pushing for me to split my time because it's actually been really good really good so did you have you told all of the I mean obviously your dad knows and your general manager know how have you everybody knows so I came out the day so everyone knows my everything I'm an open book I'm more than happy to talk about my experiences with things because I think quite often too much stuff gets left unsaid and you never know what people are are struggling with so yeah I I came out with my my diagnosis within hours of getting out of hospital um and because I work for my dad all of my colleagues knew um that I have MS all of my clients know that I've got MS. They'll call and say, oh, you know, how are you feeling? And they and say I, it in that tone too, like, yeah. how are you? Yeah, yeah. So, um, no, everyone knows. Everyone knows about my MS. Yeah. Oh, sometimes it's, I mean, I'm pretty the same. People yeah. know everything. But um, I think it can be, I, I kept it a secret for my employ- employers for probably a year and a half. Yeah, um, I did listen to your podcast. Oh, yeah, and it was really hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes people don't tell anyone and they don't yeah. need to. So, 
Um, you just shared a post recently, or oh, it might have been a while ago, on your Instagram about being child-free by choice. Yeah. And how prior to your MS diagnosis, people were like, oh, you might change your mind or you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But once you got diagnosed, people stopped asking. Can you yeah. share a bit about that? Because I think it's I really um a thing that society doesn't deem as appropriate and to choose not to have kids but also then once you've been diagnosed with a disability people are like oh no it's a good choice or you know it's a funny kind of like it's not okay for you not want to have kids and then it is okay for you not want to have kids Yeah. yeah I joke about it being the silver lining to my MS um yeah the the whole not wanting kids thing I remember I had a hysterectomy and people would like, oh, well, you know, do you want to have kids? And I'd say, no, we, we don't want kids. And they're like, oh, but you'll change your mind. And then I'd slap them with a, well, I don't have reproductive organs. They're like, well, did you keep your ovaries? Like maybe you could harvest your eggs and get a surrogate. I'm like, what part of you don't want kids? I don't want kids. Do not understand. Like it was so, I don't know. I just felt, it felt really radical. And I'm like, it's 20 what, 18, 19, 20, when I was like having these conversations, I'm like, why is this so taboo to people that I I don't want to have kids? And I remember the issues that I was having that led up to my hysterectomy. I told my mum I was having a procedure, which I had before my hysterectomy that would resolve these issues. And she's like, oh, that's great. It's good that you're finally, you know, getting some action. And I'm like, yeah, but it, it means I won't be able to have kids. And she's like, oh, well, no, terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. What are you going to do if you don't have kids? I'm like, I don't know. I have clean windows and go on holidays. Fast clean windows. No <laughs> holidays and my windows are atrocious because I can't <laughs> bother to clean them. But yeah, it's, it's so taboo. But people now say, well, thank goodness you don't have kids. And it's really good you don't have kids. Which and I think I, is also a terrible thing to say. I know. What, what would be if you wanted to have kids and you got an MS, what were they going to say to you then? exactly it's um it's nobody's business if you want to have children if you don't want to have children if you've had a child you don't shouldn't have to explain yourself why you're only having one child yeah um Um, I just don't like you I don't think it's anyone else's business hmm. and we have one and we're never going to have another but people say to me oh don't you don't doesn't he want a brother or a sister and they don't now he's sick so it'd be a bit of a and I say, we got it right the first time. We wouldn't want to fuck yeah. it up. Why <laughs> like, it again? Yeah, he's yeah. great. He's sitting out there. He's really quiet. Like, yeah. ah. Wouldn't even know that you've got a kid in the house. <laughs> I did word him up a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to be really quiet. Yeah. Um, no, it's no one's business. It's no one's business. Um, on Instagram, actually, another one. You just shared this week. Um you shared a post on Instagram about how a Facebook post that you saw in a, I think a Facebook group or something where people said, yeah. how has MS impacted your life? Yeah. And you said all the answers to that post were negative. Mm. And then you called for people to share something that's positive. And I love this because that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast is share more positive things. Yeah. Um, because it's not a death sentence. No. And so can you tell me what is the best thing to have happened to you because of your MS? Um, I've realised that life is short. And before I was all like, I've been a workaholic my whole adult life. I just 
work came first. Um, my partner used to work away in the mines when we lived in Australia for two weeks at a time and had come back and I'd come home from work on a Friday and go straight into the study and log on to the computer there and get back into work. And like, we only have one Friday night together every three weeks and I was spending it, you know, working. So I've definitely learned that I need to have a work-life balance, um, not only for my health, but for my like relationships and quality of life as well. Um, and I've got more of a just a fuck it sort of attitude. So I adopted a dog a couple of weeks ago that um, actually when I was in hospital, because I volunteer at the SPCA, the girl from the SPCA was spamming me with photos of this dog and it just used to brighten my day so much. And I just made every excuse under the sun as to why I shouldn't get this dog. And then I was just like, life's short, stuff it. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. So that's my attitude to stuff now. Like you just got to do it because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And you might get hit by a bus. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, there's so many and you might not. Like you mm -hmm. just don't, you just don't know. I just don't want to have any regrets. Like, I remember when I was first diagnosed, I'd see photos of myself before I got sick and I'd be so pissed off with her because she was so stressed and strung out from working so much. And I was like, you silly bitch, you like, you didn't really have anything to worry about and you were so focused on the wrong things. Um, yeah, it, it took me a while to not resent pre-MS back. Yeah, that's interesting that I hadn't even thought about that yeah um thinking back on to yourself before your diagnosis yeah. but um it's you know it's the wake-up call that you and a lot of people need and a lot of people I've spoken to have been the same they're like well now I hang out with the people I want to hang out with I spend time doing the things I want to do whereas before they were like you say stressed and working yeah. too hard and yeah, yeah. well I said like I, I ruptured a disc in my back um five or six years ago and I was laid up in agony for six months. I couldn't walk very far. I couldn't really do anything. And then when I had my surgery, that back injury was the best thing that ever happened to me. I left my husband after it because I had a lot of time to reflect. I just grabbed life by the balls. I was doing triathlons, running, um, swimming. Like I was just doing everything because I'd realized what could be taken away from me. And I said the same when I got my MS, I was like, I'm going to turn this into a positive, like something good has to come out of, of getting MS. And I still yeah. have that attitude. Yeah, good. Yeah. The last question I love to ask people on the podcast is what is something you'd tell people to make MS more understood? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think like for me being recently, you know, really newly diagnosed is that MS doesn't look a certain way. Um, and everybody's different with MS, you know, especially like the Instagram community, as you would know, being on there, um, there's some absolutely motivating people and some people are in wheelchairs. Some people aren't, some people are runners, some people are athletes. It just, it, it affects everybody differently. And, and, we're not all going to look the same or fit into the same kind of box. Yeah. I think that would be, that would yeah, be it. Absolutely. There is no two diagnoses the same. No. But I think that's also the case. Like even if I could run now, I still wouldn't because I hate running. 
I used to hate running. I used to hate running, but I had to do it as part of my triathlon training. Oh, cool. And I never, yeah, that was my least favorite part. And then now I'll be like going for a walk, tripping over my own toes and I'll see, you know, someone go running past. I'm like, bitch, but I don't even like running. So I'm so resentful of this. You you didn't learn to like running after the triathlons? No, no, no. just not your thing. I used to get terrible shin splints and just I mentally, I can't tune out enough to like just zone out and get Zen with the run. No, I just, I never enjoyed it. <laughs> now, if I could go for a run, I totally would. I think it's just, <laughs> I can't. Thank you so much, Beck, for having a chat with us today on the MS Understood podcast. It's been such a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of MS Understood. You can find Beck at Beck Makes MS Her Bitch on Instagram. You can find me at Claire.Riley or at MS Understood Podcast. The best thing you can do to support this podcast is to click follow on Spotify, subscribe on your other podcast listening platforms, and share this episode on Instagram. Don't forget to tag MS Understood Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and please share this episode with someone you think it might help.